If you're in the choir that I've been preaching to, and you know in your bones that happiness is a choice, but you have no clue what you can be doing to be happier, this is the episode for you. Hi, welcome to Business Mindset Mastery. I'm your host, Heather Gray. I'm a mindset and leadership coach. I work with business owners, leaders, and entrepreneurs. You can always find me over at choosetohaveitall.com. And today I started thinking about the foundation on which I built my business, my brand, and my message. Everything I share with you every single day comes down to a fundamental belief that happiness is a choice. We can't control what happens to us, but what we do in response to what happens to us is absolutely entirely within our control. And to that end, we end up being 100% responsible for our situation. So when I think about this and I sit and I talk to you from the sunny side of the street, right? Literally, I'm in sunny Southern California right now. I can almost hear everybody rolling their eyes and sighing in frustration and thinking to themselves that it's so easy for me to say. It's so easy for me to say from the cheap seats. Um, and here's the thing. Right now, I would agree with you. I would agree with all of you who are criticizing me, tired of hearing about how well things have worked out, who are sort of poking me with <laughs> um, somewhat criticizing and testy emails on the subject. I get it that it sounds so well and good when somebody has figured it out and they're talking to you from the other side. But here's the thing, my friends. I I think that one of the things that people really um, sort of sugarcoat or skip or pretend to not know is that when I was scared out of my mind in 2017, anticipating the move, um, fighting with my husband about the move because the two of us were not on the same age for how we wanted our lives and our futures to be, like I was anything but sunny. I was not happy. It was an incredibly hard year, but just because it was hard and just because I had bouts of crying in public <laughs> and needed to take more mental health days from work, it didn't mean that I wasn't still going to choose happiness, that I wasn't still going to find a way. Same thing as in 2005 when I was dating my husband at the time and out of nowhere, our lives were incredibly disrupted when when he was hit by a bus and suffered a spinal cord injury, nor in 2015 when he was sick unimaginably for eight months with an infection that we couldn't get out of control. That like right now I'm talking to you from the comfortable seats and maybe I'm not even entirely in the arena. I'm trying to get all of you into the arena because I know it turns out okay in the end. But even in those darkest moments, even in those hardest times, even in those scariest, most frustrating, sad, crying endlessly moments. I've never once stopped believing that happiness is a choice. And I do absolutely believe that no matter how we're being tested, no matter how we're being challenged, we can still try to be happier. It doesn't mean 
We're going to go from really stressed out, frustrated, discouraged, triggered, traumatized to happy. I'm not sort of preaching that like, you know, it's just the good ship lollipop and you need to sing and tap dance your way through to the other side and everything's going to be okay. But I do want to challenge the status quo. I do want to challenge this idea that there isn't anything you can do every single day to be just a little bit happier, to ease your suffering, to ease your pain just a little bit. I want to talk to you today about the actionable things you can be doing to be happier. Now, if I'd gotten my ish together, I would have had this in a fancy lead magnet where you could have a checklist that you could download and end up in your inbox and get everybody onto my email list. And if I was a really smart, savvy business owner, I probably would have been on top of that. But this podcast episode came really inspired. And I, you know, I think sometimes that it's important to stop for the bells and the whistles and to do it right. But sometimes it's important just to share the message. And given that we're a Approaching this holiday season and given that I'm going to be having people in the holiday week between Christmas and New Year's listening to this perhaps from a place of loneliness perhaps from a place of not believing that 2019 is going to get any better for them than 2018 it felt more important that I serve my audience with the information so because I don't have a checklist, because I didn't tick all the boxes and cross all the T's and dot all the I's, I think you should stop listening to this podcast right now until you get a piece of paper so you can write along. Um, because these are things that anytime I'm in the gutter, anytime I'm like, oh gosh, this isn't going to go well for me. These are the things that I tune into so that I can make a bad day just a bit easier or I I can work towards a life that's happier. It starts with number one, the belief without a doubt, even when it doesn't feel that way, that happiness is a choice. It continues with the choice to not be a victim of your circumstances, that you were not defined by what is happening to you. You were not being defined by whatever it is you're struggling with, be it a mental health condition, a physical health condition, loss, grief, trauma, just a good old fashioned run of bad luck, whatever is going on in your life that is making it harder to be and feel happy. You are not the victim, but that's only true if you choose not to be the victim. It starts with knowing that happiness is a choice. It continues with refusing to be a victim of your circumstance. And then it gets kind of fun because the next piece of this is you get to start looking for the things in your life and your regular every day that make you happy, that bring you pleasure, that give you joy, a spark of kindness, a spark of warmth, a spark of pleasure, comfort, soothing, healing, 
every day as we move through the world, these small, seemingly insignificant things happen. A kindness says hello. A, 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 you know, a stranger sort of looks at us with kindness and says hello. Um, you know, someone lets, opens the door for us on the way to a store. Like there are little moments of humanity that if we can start seeing them and we can start training our brains to look for all the ways that things go right. You know, sort of one of my foundational episodes on the podcast is to look for the green lights. It's an episode, I think we might even be going back to 2016 at this point in time. Um, but, um, It's this idea that you want to look for every time you've gotten to the light and it's already green and you can just keep going. Where is life and the universe just saying you've got this? I've got your back. Keep going. Because what happens when life is hard, we only pay attention to how hard it is. You know, one of the things that really sticks out for me is I talk about the year 2015 as if it was the most miserable thing on the planet. And one of the things, literally, as I was creating this episode, so it didn't even occur to me until about 20 minutes ago, was that 2015 was also the year I met my best friend, my new best friend. I didn't know, I wasn't even in the hunt for a best friend. I wasn't even looking. In fact, I adamantly had decided I had enough friends. Um, my best friend and I, uh, before this um I'm just gonna, her name's Anna. (laughs) Hi, Anna, if you're listening. Um, Before I met Anna, I had another best friend, Gail. Um, And Gail and I had had a falling out at the beginning of the year. And I had just decided that I was good that I didn't need any more best friends, that I had learned my lesson, so to speak, and I wasn't in the market to meet anybody new. And in the context of my husband being sick, this woman that I just happened to meet at the gym um, walked into my life. Oh gosh, I didn't know I was going to cry. Just walked into my life and made everything better. Everything got better once I met her and once I let her in. Um, she, you know, we talk about hard times, right? We talk about the fact that when life really challenges you and things get really scary and overwhelming, like it's always the people you least expect to show up. And up until like the beginning of the year, Anna was just my friend at the gym. She was my sparring partner. Like I I liked hanging out with her, but I had no idea that she was going to light up my life and fill places in my life that I didn't even know were empty and that were missing. And she just showed up for me. So the fact that I talk about 2015, like it's the worst possible thing, leaves out like the best possible thing that this human entered my existence and everything just got better. And I think sometimes like that's mindset in real time, right? My friends, you have heard me talk about like this on my episode, on my show all the time. 2015 was the year my husband was sick for eight months. I could parrot it and record it. And it wasn't until I was recording this very show 300 episodes in after how many times I referenced it that it occurred to me that one of the brightest, brightest green lights in that damn year was I made my new best friend and I met her and she took care of me in ways that friends hadn't before and I learned lessons about friendship that I never would have learned if it weren't for her and I took chances and risks because she, you know, she 
she was an international person. <laughs> She's lived in, she speaks like four different languages, lived in five different countries at this point, I think. And so she could just pick up and go at any moment. And I just became her friend anyway, having no idea that it was going to be me who picked up and went. But, you know, that's the bright spot. And I think sometimes it's so easy to say, oh, my God, that was the year my husband, you know, was in the ICU and I misunderstood some medical information and thought he was like at risk of dying. And he was quite sick, but he was never actually at risk of dying. I had just misunderstood something. And I can talk to you about how I built my business from the ICU and it can have this story of perseverance through tragedy and trauma and all of that. But it's also the year I met my best friend and I can choose to keep telling the story of 2015 that that's the year my husband got sick for an extended amount of time or I can say in the hardest period of my life in 10 years my new person walked into it and made everything easier that my friends is mindset in real time that my friends is how you show up and how you look at your life and how you choose to view your world and move through your world and that i hope you see in the illustration is the choice i'm challenging you guys to make is the decision i am asking you to make for yourselves and for a better life in 2019 and going forward The next thing I want you to start doing is creating pleasure and comfort deliberately, mindfully, by your choice. Look at the things that just bring you momentary pleasure. So for me, it's a daily cup of coffee. It's my Patriot sweatshirt. It's Um, a really good smelling bath gel from Bath and Body Works that once I realized that they tend to discontinue scents like on a dime, I bought three bottles worth so that I wouldn't run out anytime soon because it just is a stupid $10 thing that just lights me up and brings me pleasure. But I want you to start thinking about the things that light you up and ease your suffering for a moment. And I want you to go seek them. I want you to look for them and I want you to make them non-negotiable in your life, especially the dumb, inexpensive things like bath gel that like you never know when you're going to need it. For me, it's a good cup of coffee in the morning. Um, it can be, you know, uh, all kinds of things. Like I remember it doesn't work for me in California per se, but back in um, Massachusetts, one of my favorite things to do was to open all the windows when it was super freezing cold. Like we're talking like, you know, like in the free, like 32 degrees and below. I would open up the windows and make the house freezing cold and then I would pile every blanket and every pillow into the bed and I would snuggle in under it and there was nothing more comforting and warm and pleasurable than that but knowing yourself we talk about this all the time the importance of self-awareness when it comes to mindset when it comes to showing up for yourself in your life you have to know yourself you have to know unapologetically the stupid things that bring you joy and glee and allow yourself to have them, to welcome them into your life, to make them accessible to you so you can get it on a dime when you need it, and to have a variety of things so that it's not always food or it's not always TV because all of those things and too much like don't bring anybody any good. But that's where it starts is choosing to seek pleasure and comfort.
and welcoming them and opening opening the door and bringing them into your life. Telling yourself that you get to have it now, you don't have to wait until later. And the next thing I want you to think about doing along those same lines of pleasure and comfort, I want you to think critically about your sleep. I want you to be indulgent with your sleep. And now like this is going to mean different things for different people. Sometimes you're all just so sleep deprived that you have got to schedule in like a couple of nights in a row. It only works when you do it in a row where you go to bed early or you're able to sleep in a little bit, even if it means skipping a workout, even if it means that you don't have time to do the household chores and you have to, you know, pay somebody to do them for you or something, but creating opportunities to be indulgent with your sleep. And that's not always going to mean more sleep. Sometimes it's going to be actively choosing less sleep so that you have 45 minutes of quiet to yourself before the kids go get up in the morning, or you're going to go to bed an hour late so you get to indulge in your book in the dark and the candlelight or you get to you know get up super early and go do some like crazy sunrise hike or activity or morning workout or you know what I'm talking about here my friends but to go out of your way to set your sleep schedule up for success and this doesn't mean long term this doesn't work long term because we have lives and we're busy and we have to get on a schedule But if you're not happy and you're struggling to find happiness, an easy way to become happier, to ease the suffering, to get from where you are to happier than where you are right now is to think about how you can be indulgent with your sleep. For me, like anytime my husband's ill, one of the things I do automatically is I set my alarm for an hour to an hour and a half early so that I can start the day focused on me. Because typically it's morning times and routines with medicines and different things like that that he tends to need more of my time. So I start my day, I, you know, I end up with a little sleep deprived, but I get to watch one of my television shows. I can work on a jigsaw puzzle. I can catch up on email with a friend. I can, you know, just use the time to focus on me before I have to give my time to focus on him. So I want you to think about allowing that into your life and challenging yourself in that way along again we're talking about pleasure and comfort and one of the things that automatically happens is if we're not careful we emotionally eat right like we reach for the chocolate we have the second glass of wine at night we you know go one beer too many we hit the ice cream we go for the chocolate the pizza yeah I'm just listing all of my favorites but you know what I'm talking about that when we're our lives are in the shitter and when things are really hard we tend to get lazy with our food choices. And sometimes we just say like, oh, it's so hard. I deserve fast food. I'm hitting up five guys and I'm not even going to think about it. But what I want you to do is be mindful and intentional about using food to how does it comfort you? How does it take care of you? And how does it hurt you? Because if you're incredibly stressed, if you are, you know, your life right now is requiring really long days, you can't afford to just go for the quick carb fix. You have to think mindfully and intentionally about what you're bringing into your body, but also what you're allowing 
yourself. Now's not the time for a restrictive diet. You want to make sure that you are using food to feel good, to feel better, to feel happier, not to numb things away. So that means if you have an especially good piece of cheesecake in front of you, you are going to turn off the smartphone. You're going to turn off the TV. You're going to turn off all the other senses around you, and you are just going to tune into allowing yourself the pleasure of an unexpected treat in front of you. You're not going to numb out and not even taste it. But if you are going to indulge in a comfort food, you're stopping everything so you can feel it and taste it and enjoy it and give yourself that moment. Likewise, you want to make darn sure you're not using food to punish yourself, that you're not using it as a weapon in your life, that you're not using it as an element of control, but that you're using it mindfully. I want you to think too along those same lines about movement. Now, one of the things that tends to happen for me automatically is that as soon as it gets hard, as soon as I my schedule gets packed, as soon as anything, you know, starts to feel like everything's going to be piled on top of one another, it's really easy for me to say I'm going to skip a workout. Back east, it was super convenient if the weather was crap not to go to the gym. I would just be like, I don't feel like driving at six o'clock in the morning in the snow just to go to the gym. I can skip it. Here in California, I have no excuse because I work out from home to videos on demand. But it's the first thing to go when things get crazy. But in actuality, if I'm not moving, well, I don't do anything well. And that's using the self-awareness that I know about myself. So I want you to think critically about how movement in your life serves you. Do you get more ideas if you just stand up and take a walk every once in a while? Do you do well to clear your head by walking around the neighborhood in the evening? Do you just need to pound it out to a crazy physical hard activity so that you exhaust yourself to the point of no return and can get a better night's sleep? How does movement soothe you, help you, improve your ability to function? And if it doesn't, if you're one of those people where it like exercise, everybody else talks about needing it every day and you're like, really? Don't get it. Doesn't do anything for me. Give yourself permission to not push yourself. If you know that it's not true for you, that you talk yourself out of it, but that once you do it, you're so glad you did. If you don't relate to that and you're struggling right now and you're sitting in the hurt, don't challenge yourself with movement. I have several other items on the list in front of me that you can try. Don't force yourself in add more suffering and struggle to do something that works for other people if you know it's not going to work for yourself. The other thing I want you to think about is that when it gets super hard and super challenging and intense in our lives, we focus so much on the to-do lists, on the tasks, on the energy that that creates, or we focus on the hard. We focus on what's happening to us, what, you know, what's challenging us, what we're going to lose, what we're risking. What I want you to do is I want you to think really critically about all of your senses. What kind of environment are you creating that can help you be, feel, and experience more happiness. Again, I'm not saying like you can light a candle and be happy, but perhaps you can light a candle or be 
um, intentional about the lighting in your room and recognize that lighting soothes you. That like some sounds of, you know, smooth jazz in the background really kind of relaxes you or, you know, you want really good motivational old time 80s music to bop around to. But what are the senses, the things that you feel? If it's super cold and you're in the middle of winter, like throw a blanket into the dryer for 10 minutes and then go and watch your movie. But pay attention to the scent in the air, the lighting, the sounds, the things you're touching and tasting and allow for pleasure and comfort to find you and to choose things that are more pleasurable or more comforting during those times when you're being tested. I want you to think about what is right now won't always be right? Like, because so often when things are hard and we have no idea when the hard time is going to end and we have no idea when we're going to see ourselves around the corner, we just only see right now. What I want you to do is start thinking about things that you can plan to look forward to. And it doesn't have to take a lot of time and it doesn't have to take a lot of money. But, you know, one of the things I particularly enjoy here in Southern California is there's this really awesome farmer's market, but it's on Wednesdays in the middle of my work day. So if I'm having a downtime or things feel really discouraging, one of the things I might do is perceive an opportunity when I can get to the farmer's market on a Wednesday. But to create those things that you can look forward to, or, you know, if it's your favorite television show, maybe you don't watch it right away. Maybe you plan a time when you can get yourself a nice breakfast, a good cup of coffee, coffee or a cup of tea and you can really sit and enjoy it but create opportunities for yourself that you can look forward to that extend beyond the hard time that extend beyond what's in front of you right now this next one I gotta tell you I sort of debated with myself about including it on the list but I do think it's so so important Research says that even for treatment-resistant depression, one of the things that can ease the symptoms and the suffering is performing random acts of kindness, putting the focus off of ourselves onto somebody else, and doing an act of kindness or service ends up giving back to us. I've seen it be true time and time again with clients that I've worked with. I know it can be true for you. So if you are stuck in the mud, if you can't see your way out and you're thinking that like you can only see what's immediately in front of you and you can't imagine how you're going to get to the other side of it, perhaps you can shift your lens and your energy by performing a random act of kindness for someone else. One of the things that's always worked for me um, is getting away. And I don't mean like requiring, you know, extensive hotel reservations and plane tickets and all of that. What I'm talking about is physically getting away from your environment. Um, I just get in my car and drive. I remember one epic time. I don't even, I can't even remember what's going on in my life. I honestly would share with you and tell you if it would be helpful, but I, I can't remember. But I, I just knew that I couldn't sit still. I couldn't sit in myself. Things were 
just overwhelming the bejesus out of me and I had to get in the car and drive and I was living in Boston at the time and I drove all the way through Vermont to the Canadian border of the east coast and back in the same day um but I got away um I you know I had some good tunes in the car and I you know I drove for like a full probably eight to ten hours in a single day but I I got away from my environment and there's something about watching some mile markers pass between you and your hard time I understand that wherever you go there you are but at some point in time as you put miles between yourself and whatever you're leaving behind that distance creates room for possibility creates room for some healing for some space, some perspective. So if you're just stuck in the mud and you have been trying to figure something out for a while, just get away. It doesn't have to be for days. It it can be budget friendly, but get in the car and drive. Just go and see what ends up happening for yourself when you get some distance. Sometimes too, along those same lines, it's as simple as starting a hobby or an activity to get you out of your head. You know, several years ago, I um, work was super stressful and my caseload when I was a private therapist was incredibly demanding and really intense. Um, and I started uh, pottery classes and I, I started just pulling pottery on the wheel and I was PS a disaster <laughs> at it. But I gave it a good college try for weeks and weeks in a row. But it was that kind of activity. And the same was true for me when I discovered boxing that just got me out of my head that I had to focus so much on every single thing I was doing, the amount of attention I was taking and the time it was taking and what I needed to do to get it right, that it got me out of my head and it gave me a break from whatever was going on in my life. So if you're sort of stuck in thinking on it all the time and feel like you're in it all the time, that's a really good way to find yourself to the other side. It's also time to think critically about the people that you were spending the most time with. Sometimes, like in my case, when it's my husband and he's sick and his needs are demanding, I can't say, well, (laughs) peace out, husband. You are one of the people bringing me down. (laughs) You are not good for my energy. But with the exception to those things, like who are you spending time with? Are you spending time with people who bring you up, who make you feel positive, who who take care of you, who show up for you, who see the possibility, who offer a help? hand who take care of you in spades. Um, If you're surrounding yourself with toxic people who are takers, who are curmudgeons, who are negative, who are pessimistic, then it's going to be really hard for you to see to the other side and find happier because you are not surrounding yourself with people who are trying themselves to be happier, who are aiming for happier, who are refusing to settle for anything but happier. It is absolutely positively true that we are the sum of the people we spend the most time with. So when the people in our lives are requiring a lot of us, are sort of draining our resources through no fault of their own or sometimes through intentional (laughs) toxicity on their own, it's up to us to look critically at how we're balancing that out, how we're setting boundaries, and how we're welcoming people who give us life and who bring us 
energy and just fading temporarily until you have more energy to really look at it critically for the people who are bringing you down and holding you back. So again, this is one of those places where it might come from the most unexpected places, but you want to pay attention to that and you want to think critically about that. And that's hard, right? Because that means sometimes leaving people behind. It means sort of no longer holding people on a pedestal sometimes, but being real about who they are and what they can bring to your life. And if you have been struggling to be happy and to feel happy, you have to give yourself permission to be critical about that and to set boundaries and to do it unapologetically. And the easiest way to do that without drama, without conflict, is just quietly to give yourself permission to not text back right away, to not call back right away, to cancel that visit until there's a time in front of you when you have more time and energy. Because again, this is what we're talking about, right? Happiness is a choice. So it means choosing what you bring into your life and also choosing what you're going to allow to remain outside of it, even if it's just for the time being. I know it isn't easy to think about your relationships that critically, and it's not really easy for me to say, and as I'm chatting with you about it, it occurs to me, I should have probably put this next thing (laughs) first before I said, hey, make room for fewer toxic people in your life. Um, One of the things that comes to mind as we talk about this is that you need to schedule a mental health day. When you know that you're just burnt out, when you know the candle is going at both ends and you've just completed the holiday season and you've managed the myriad of expectations connected to it and you're managing everything else that's like, you know, aside from regular everyday life right now on top of it, it can be really overwhelming. And it's hard to see the future when you're too bogged down in your regular everyday and all of the expectations that come with your regular everyday. So what I want you to do is to look critically at your schedule and I want you to perceive an opportunity where you can schedule yourself a day off when you should have been working, when you should have been doing whatever it is that you do all day. So I want you to make room for it, make time for it, because so often what ends up happening when people are really struggling to be happy and are really weighted down by their struggles is they either take these days off because life demands it and because the challenges of their lives are demanding it, or they end up doing it in this reactive, dear God, I can't get out of bed today. But those decisions, when they're made that way, they don't refresh you. You don't emerge from that day when you're like, dear God, I'm not getting out of bed today. You don't leave that day feeling better. You don't leave that day feeling taken care of or nurtured or like the gas has gone into the tank. But if you can be intentional about it and you can start to think about the things that you like to do that you enjoy doing, then you can start to craft with intention a period of time coming up in the future, hopefully the not too distant future. Don't like schedule it months out. You're needing to be happier now, but you can plan this time where your soul is going to be nurtured and you're making deposits into the account and you're truly, truly taking care of yourself. And this again will come down to self-awareness. 
how you spend that time. If you really enjoy going um, to galleries and art, you know, art galleries and museums, maybe you're going to schedule some time to do that. If you're somebody who likes to take a walk in nature, that's when you're going to do that. Um, You know, for me, I love getting out of the house and going to a coffee shop. And then I like taking myself to the movies by myself and then going out to eat by myself and just spending some time away from my regular everyday environment, but just checking back in. So whatever you need that's going to fill the gas in your tank, that's going to give you some bang for your buck, that's what I want you to start thinking about. Because here's the thing, you know, I'm going to say this and people are going to say, but Heather, you don't realize I just took a chunk of time off for the holidays. Heather, you don't realize like I'm trying to build a business here. If I'm not working, I'm not making money. But you have to realize that if you had cancer, your life would stop right now and you'd have to figure out a way to get chemo. If you had a, you know, if a loved one of yours had an awful illness, you would have to figure out how to stop everything on a dime to offer caregiving support. That so often we choose to stop our lives on demand because circumstance demands it and we don't think to cancel our lives and slow down on things um, with a critical eye, with intention and mindfulness. And what we don't realize when we do that is that without you know, sort of filling the gas tank up, suddenly we're creating these opportunities where we have to face our regular every day running on empty versus facing our regular every day with a quarter of, you know, gas left in the tank. We're more capable, we're more efficient, we're more able to respond to the needs of our lives and of the people in our lives and the situations our lives are bringing up for us if we at least take a pit stop at a gas station and say, I'm taking a mental health day. I'm not asking you to take a week off. I'm not demanding that you take a two-week vacation and you take everything off, but I am asking that if you're struggling with being happy, if you're struggling with being happier, to consider taking some time so that you can do and implement some of the things I'm talking to you about today. You know, And you got to start thinking too a little bit, like what are the whimsical things? What are the little like quick shot things you can do? I remember a couple of years ago, I don't even know what was bothering me at the time, but I was like having a hard time with mood management. I don't know if I had just sort of left a depressive episode or like if I was just (laughs) like hormonal or something, but I couldn't get it together for days in a row. And my husband was like, what can we do for you? And I was like, I just like, let's just go to the dog shelter. And so we went to the dog shelter with no intent on getting a dog, but I just played with puppies for like 35 minutes. And that was something that like lit me up and moved me from crying and miserable to happier. Was I happy simply because I stopped at a shelter? No, but I was happier. And when you do those, like you do those things for yourself to bring joy, to bring childlike like wonder, to bring pleasure, to bring happiness into your life, you were telling, you're sending out that signal to the universe that you were ready to feel better, that you were not mired in your victimhood, that you are committed to knowing and believing in your bones that what is right now won't always be. 
And that means, too, looking intentionally at how you're spending your time, looking critically at it. Does this bring me joy? Does this make me feel better? Does this make me and help me be happier? So that means not watching TV for the sake of TV and numbing out or reading a book that you don't actually know what's happening in. And it certainly doesn't mean spending hours mindlessly scrolling on Facebook and social media and Instagram because I can tell you that there's nobody who's like, wow, I've spent so much time on Facebook today and I feel so much better. The only time that works is when it's your job and you've gotten a lot done. But I would really consider a social media break until you're feeling better because there's not, not a single time where I've been in the, you know, in the gutter and in the shitter, so to speak, feeling like crap and gone to so, you know, social media and been like, wow, that really made me feel better. I'm so glad that while I'm sitting in the ICU waiting room, I know that all my friends are having a really good time living their lives. Like who wants that? It doesn't, it doesn't make you feel better to see everyone's Norman Rockwell version of their lives when you were living in like the Stephen King version of yours, right? So get off social media, take a break, unplug, tell yourself that when you are feeling better and you have positive things to share and you can bring positive energy to the situation, you will, but otherwise like really truly stay unplugged. You know, and one of the things too that I was thinking about as I sat down and came up with ideas for this is I remember, and this guy, (laughs) this goes back to my early social work career. I didn't even have a master's degree yet. I think I was in grad school and I was, um, my internship was in like this after school program that was connected to this community mental health um, counseling center. And so I suddenly like this woman came over and she's like, hi, I run the clinic across the street from the after school center. We're looking for somebody who can run a group for teens teenagers who were in the process of coming out. And so they were in various like sort of discovery, self-awareness, self-identifying, you know, figuring out their sexual orientation, their gender identification, etc, etc. And they were in the middle of doing this huge, important, really deeply personal work with a group leader at the clinic when the group leader broke her back and was unable to kind of, you know, fulfill the contract and continue running the group. And they didn't want to leave the kids high and dry. And I had never run such a group. I had no idea what to do. But I did know that these kids had done incredibly vulnerable work and they weren't going to suddenly just start continuing on their path with a total stranger they never met, particularly somebody who is really at most only five years older than most of them. So at the time, this internship was in Cambridge, Massachusetts, near Harvard University. So for the first week, I, you know, I said to the kids, I said, you know, feelings and such and personal experiences and personal story require that you begin to trust me that require a basis of respect. Like, I don't expect you to kind of suddenly tell me your whole story simply because I've been assigned to your group. But that doesn't mean that you don't still need those feelings released. So what I want you to do is we're all going to go on a walk into Harvard Square. And I gave everybody because now I'm dating myself, but I gave everybody a disposable camera. 
and I asked them to take pictures that represented where they were currently at in their lives and in their journey and in their discovery that they, you know, because you can't get instant, you can't, it's not smartphone days, even though this group intervention would be so badass with a smartphone now. Um, but they would have to go and take pictures that represented where they were. They'd get those pictures developed. Um, and then in the following week, I would, you know, I would show it to them and they would get to decide what part and what pictures and what explanation that they would share with the group. And in all honesty, this is an example that I just pulled out of my ass because I was like, shit, what am I going to talk about? And suddenly like this moment of inspired divine intervention or whatever it was showed up and it was incredible. It, we, we, you know, it was, uh, I guess it was winter when we did this because people had kids had like gotten chunks of ice that had um, frozen on a statue and then started to melt and thaw. So they showed us the ice and they showed us the defrosting, like the melting ice underneath and saying like at some point in time I was so frozen and, you know, I just showed this one stoic face. And then over time, like I, as I spoke my truth and I started telling more people my secret, I started feeling more myself and the mask could come off. And, you know, the whole story and the whole release of feelings and circumstances was released with photos. And so often, you know, and this is a former therapist talking, you don't need words to release your feelings. You don't need to talk about it. You don't freaking need to journal about it. You don't need to Pinterest board the crap out of it. You just need to recognize that you have a pile of crap ton feelings inside you and release it and figure out a way to express that release with mindfulness and intention so that you can feel it leave your body. So if you can do it through art, if you can do it through creativity, or if you just need to pound a pillow or, you know, back in my residential days when kids got really super mad. I, you know, we would do these, like, I don't, I can't even remember what I called it, but they would take the couch pillows from the couches and like just couch, uh, pillow frisbee or something, but they would take these pillows and like throw them at me as hard as they possibly could because it's a pillow. It's not going to hurt me, but it gets that energy out. It gets that physical release. Um, you know, you're going to have to find your alternative to phone books because back in the day I used to have kids rip up phone books to just get out that energy to stump up a flight of stairs or I remember personally on one epic day I don't know if I've told this story on the show before but one epic day I was just, oh, it was such a bad, bad run of awfulness in my life. And it was one stress, one awful thing, one tense thing after another. And work was like driving me up to Wazoo. I went to the Salvation Army and I bought a bunch of plates. And um, outside my apartment, there was like this little cement plot area, like a four by four square or something. And I just like, I covered, I was, I thought ahead, I wasn't too impulsive, but I covered the cement with trash bags. And then one by one, I broke every every single plate that I had just bought just to smash something and safely release it. Because when you get the feelings out, it doesn't even matter what they were or why they existed or, you know, whatever. It's because feelings are energy and you just need to release it. And what you do and how you do it, it doesn't matter, but you have to take it from inside your body and smash it to smithereens. So express it in your art, express it somehow creatively, express it physically, but get the gunk that's inside you and release it and and work with it. 
you know, one of the things too that I did as a therapist, and it's funny, like I, you know, making this list today, it brought me back to so many like memory lane interventions that I haven't done in a while. But there's this guy and I, I wish offhand I remembered his name. But if you look up postsecret.com, P-O-S-T secret.com, this is a guy who has a website and an online following and books uh, about people who submit their secrets. So on a postcard and usually some kind of creative way, these people tell him their secrets. They send it anonymously with no return address, but they they just release the things that are too hard to say. So if you need to actually tell someone, I've sent so many people to post secret to release their, you know, their, their less than desirable feelings, the things that they're going to worry what people think or feel send it anonymously out into the internet. So long as you're not like, you know, threatening somebody or, you know, contributing to bullying or doing something in an unhealthy way, you can healthy, you know, in a healthy way with mindful intention, release the things that you're not ready to say and that you're not ready to talk about. You know, and in that same vein, like I say this all the time and people who know me in my personal life probably hear this more than they want to. I tend to stop the preaching sometimes in my professional life. You guys would be surprised as I like head into a 60 minute podcast episode. So clearly I am, you know, I'm fired up and ready to go on this. But sometimes too, if you're really in it, you just have to look for the helpers. You have to like, you know, I was telling you earlier and at the start of the show, um, you know, sometime last year, (laughs) um, but I was telling you at the start of the show um, that like you have to look for the green lights. But the other thing you have to do is like, look for the helpers, look for like the people doing good and being awesome and saying yes and going in all on their lives and showing up in spades like right now it can't be you because you've got your own pile and you've got your own stuff but like it's really warm like it's warming and comforting to start looking for the goodness in the world because when our lives are so hard and when things get so unfair it's so easy to get resentful. It's so easy to go into the why me mentality and the life isn't fair. And why am I going to, you know, I remember in times in my own life, I've said, why am I going to bother feeling better? Because I'm only going to feel like crap again all over tomorrow, right? Like it's so easy to fall into that. But if you can challenge yourself to stay out of it and to look for the helpers and to look for the people being kind, it can warm you and it can ready you that what is right now won't always be and you really you know can feel better one of the you know the other things that comes to mind for me is like and this is again from my own personal experience here I feel a little bit like I remember in day one of behavior management school like when we were learning about like um, behavioral psychology and how to understand human behavior one of the things that we the one of the examples we always hear about is like the toddler finds the mother crying and then gives the the toddler gives the mother his or her teddy bear with this idea like here my teddy bear makes me feel better maybe it'll make you feel better like there is this tendency as I'm recording this show to be like hey this makes me feel better maybe it'll make you feel better but one of the things that happened to me um oh gosh I guess it was I think it was the beginning of um I think it was at the 
beginning of the year, uh, beginning of 2018, I was feeling largely sort of unappreciated and taken for granted that, um, that I was just, you know, offering my work and nobody was really like recognizing it or saying thank you. And people were consuming my free content, but they weren't necessarily hiring me. And I was just in like this really like grumpy state. And one of the things like I like just thought about was how unappreciated I felt and how like sort of invisible I felt. Um, I was trying so hard. I was doing this daily podcast. I was doing all the things and, you know, nobody was even taking the time to say thank you kind of thing. And one of the things to get myself out of it that I did is I started to remember like my high school teachers, the teachers who would be like, holy cow, kid, like you are doing a daily podcast like you run your like this is your second business good for you I saw it in you all along so I took the time to write to every single teacher I remembered a specific thank you note snail mail style to say hi you might not remember me I was the class of 94 but I have to tell you that I sat in your class and you taught me this and by teaching me that like you've changed the way that I think about things or you changed the way I learned or you helped me see and I just was really specific with the value they offered And I just sent it because I was thinking to myself, like, you know, send out to the world what you need in response. And the responses I got from the teachers who remembered me, who like not just told me they remembered me, but replied with like specific examples, just it lit up my world and it was such a solution to happier. So think about people that you could just, you know, that you haven't said thank you to, that you haven't taken the time to say, I I appreciate you and take some time to do that because when you do that you're giving out the energy that you want to receive and you're letting go of the resentment for not having received it which then makes it possible that you're going to get it in kind that by making someone else's day better brighter more memorable karma will come around and make your day better or more memorable. And sometimes, you know, there's there's not going to be words. There's not going to be anything you can do. There's, you know, sometimes you're just going to have to get out in nature and get outside or go for a walk in the woods, go on a, find a lake, climb a mountain, walk a beach, walk your neighborhood. But so often when we stay inside and we don't give ourselves like, the outside environment to kind of check in on ourselves to snap us out of it you know one of the things as I'm talking to you I'm remembering you know this analogy that I used to use as a therapist that like growing up I had a lazy eye um in fact at one or both times in my life both of my eyes ended up being lazy and they both separately had to be operated on but my dad used to do this thing and he would just snap his fingers whenever I was talking and suddenly my eye would go back into focus because it was drifting and I hadn't paid attention and I didn't know it was, you know, out of whack, but he would just snap his fingers and suddenly I was focusing. And sometimes we can't, we don't know we're drifting, right? So we need that snap and not everyone's going to see it because we're not always great at telling people like, hey, I'm drowning here. Like, here's my arm. Could you kind of drag me to shore? But nature can do a really good job of that. If we just allow the cool air to hit us or the nice warm sand to hit us or whatever it is, to snap us out of what we're currently in so that we can sort of see what else is possible at the end of it. So, you know, 
sometimes too, like I was thinking about this and I, you know, I was thinking about the number of times, um, you know, I, I've sat with so many hard stories. Um, I've sat with so many, just the awful dredges of society and what they do to people. And I have sat with so much heartache and heard so many brokenhearted stories of, you know, ways life has just really screwed people over. And as a therapist, you hold it. And one of the things that I would sort of periodically do when I was doing really intense trauma work with somebody is I would have to release it. And sometimes it was like, you know, writing these letters to the universe, so to speak, where it's like, I effing hate that there's child abusers on this planet. I want everybody to X, Y, and Z and ABC. Sometimes it would just be getting in my car and screaming as loud as possible because it's not really going to affect anybody if I scream and it spares me from having to slam a door in my house, which is always my favorite thing when I'm really heated at home. But like loud music or just, you know, like writing the letter you never send or, you know, saying the thing that you're never really, you know, um, that's not socially appropriate to say, but sometimes you are going to need to verbally release it. So the Again, we keep talking about this, guys. We keep coming back to self-awareness. This idea that when you know yourself and you know what you need and you know what sets you up for success and you give it to yourself unapologetically, you can find what you need to be happier. But then other times, it's not going to be the snap of the fingers. It's not going to be the smack upside the head from your accountability partner, your best friend who's wiser and better than you. Sometimes it's just going to be the comfort of rituals and routine. And, you know, sometimes when people are struggling with happiness, it's because they've gotten in this pattern where life has just put them in this reaction seat. So so so-and-so needs such and such at such and such a time. So boom, they go. And -and so-and-so needs this yesterday. So boom, they go. And so every day is like reactive to whatever's in front of them. One of the things that I really encourage people to do is to create rituals in their life that are really grounding, that feel familiar. So, you know, back in the day when I worked residential and the shifts were super crazy and I wouldn't get out or home until like one o'clock in the morning and I'd have to be back at work for 11 o'clock in the morning. Um, I would, you know, back in the day it was VHS recording, but I would tape episodes of American Idol um, because I worked the night shift and I wouldn't be home to see him live. And so I would stockpile American Idol episodes so that I could, you know, watch them and, um, you know, just end my night whenever my night ended in the same way. Um, other times in my life, it's been writing in a journal. Other times it's reading magazines. But if you figure out ways to start your day or end your day and create ritual and routine, those are the things that can be comforting and can feel familiar during really stressful, unpredictable times. The next one you're not going to like so much. <laughs> but you got to make your bed. Even if you're making your bed right before you get into it. But um, even if you're one of those people who like sleeping in a messy bed, so you make the bed and then you mess it before you get into it. But there's something about creating an environment for yourself of rest. 
That doesn't mean that you have to be nitpicky and fastidious, but the gross things in your environment. So for me, I have curly hair. It's always going to be the tufts of curly hair that find its way all over the bathroom, no matter how much I clean. Um, so make sure you're, you're cleaning the gunk. Or for me, it's going to be the toothpaste in the bathroom sink. But like figuring out the things that are a little on the gross side. And at least prioritizing those things so that while you're in the shitter, while things are so hard, while everything's so stressful, you are not also surrounding yourself with grossness. So just make the bed. (laughs) Get rid of like the really obvious things that are getting in the way of it feeling warm and welcoming because it's also sending the message in the environment that you're ready to take care of yourself. That like what is right now won't always be and you at least can take the three minutes it can you know it takes to make your bed I want you to 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 think about like seeking out your favorite things like if it's your favorite movie or the favorite song on the radio or your favorite restaurant or your favorite um you know place to go spend a couple of hours or whatever it is but seek out your favorites welcome them in. Invite the pleasure that comes. Invite the comfort. Invite the familiarity. And if it works for you, invite people into this space. The people who aren't toxic, the people who are going to build you up, the people who are going to take care of you and ask them for help and share in the struggle and create a community that's going to help you get to the other side of this. Not everything I've said today is going to work. Not everything I've said today is going to appeal to you. Some of you are going to be yelling back at me. Some of you are going to tell me all of the reasons why this sort of master class on happiness I've gotten somehow wrong or I didn't think to say. And that's fine. But this is like one of those awesome golden opportunities you have to take the best and just leave the rest. Take what works for you. Take what resonates. You know, go back and listen again with a pad and pen and come up with the things that really you think should be your personal checklist for when you're having a hard time and just make a commitment to choosing happier, to to knowing in your bones that what is right now won't always be and happier as possible. It's a step closer to the life and the business you want. And I want you to remember something here. I know I'm full of piss and vinegar right now. You, I, I know that you're like looking at your watch and going like, how long has she been yammering on about this? Um, and yes, I in my bones believe there's value to being happy and to being positive. But being a happier and positive person doesn't mean you never have a bad mood. It doesn't mean you never get depressed. It doesn't mean that life doesn't hand you a effing sucker punch that brings you to your knees, that it's not disappointing, that you don't try your absolute freaking best and your best doesn't work, that you want something so bad you can taste it and still life in the world say, nope, up, not so much, not right now. Like that stuff is going to happen. And being as positive as we want, we could be Pollyannas to the cows come home. It's not going to change anything. But being positive and choosing to be happier means trusting and feeling in our bones that we are having a hard time, but knowing that you're hard time is not going to last and that things will get better. That's how you choose 
happier. Now, this has been one hell of a masterclass. Um, It has gone longer than I planned um, with more detail than you probably needed. But I really hope there's value here. And given that you just went to class, um, I'm going to invite you to pay your tuition. Um, If you get value from this show, if you get value from the fact that I take an hour of my time to give you a clean actionable list of directives you can do to be happier, I invite you to use the link at the bottom of the show notes here and consider supporting the podcast in the year to come. You can donate as little as I think it's 99 cents a month or up to five bucks a month if you want, but a great way to encourage me to keep showing up for you in this way, to keep going all in with this podcast and giving you these master classes is to let me know the value they have for you. I really invite you to consider that as you look forward towards your investments that you're making for 2019 in yourself and in your business. I certainly would appreciate your time and consideration. Thank you so much for today. If you lasted the full, I think I'm at an hour, I've lost track of time here. I can't remember when I started at this point, but I thank you for this time, this commitment to yourself. If you made it to the end, you're committing to choosing a happier life for yourself. And I am so committed to having your back and helping you get there. Thank you so much for today. I look forward to talking to you next time. Bye for now.